Welcome to the Sunday Message from Hollyview Church in Boring, Oregon. We gather every Sunday morning at 10.30 as a worshiping community of Jesus followers on mission to see God glorified in our lives, our cities, and around the world. At Hollyview, the Bible serves as our foundation and guide for both life and ministry. It tells the story of God and the story of us. We believe the better we know the themes and flow of the biblical story, the better we will be able to find our little place in God's grand storyline. Thank you for joining us. And now here's this week's message from Hollyview Church. Today we're hearing from Pastor Joel. He's in John chapter 6 as we continue our study in the Gospel according to John with the message, The Bread of Life. Hey everybody. This uh, couldn't be more fitting to be outside on today's sermon, so I'm excited to preach it with you. It'll be interactive, so we're going to have communion at the end, and you'll see how that just fits in uh, just perfectly. The Lord has made and designed this day uh, just for each of each of you and for me. Uh, we're excited that you're here. I want to begin this morning by reading a, just a section of our, our passage in John 6, if you have a Bible. If not, that's okay, just listen uh, this morning. John 6, beginning in verse 32. Says Jesus then said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you bread from heaven, but my Father gives you true, the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me, and yet you do not believe. We'll stop right there. Let's pray. Lord, as we're outside today uh, enjoying the beautiful weather and the close of summer and the beginning of a whole new school year, uh, Lord, I pray that these next few moments, as we meditate on your words, that you would speak to each one of us right where we're at, what we need to hear from you. Lord, I pray that you would... uh, You'd calm all the voices in our head and the list that we need to do, and that the next few moments would just, um, we'd be able to just be in your, in your presence, Lord. So open our eyes so that we can see, open our ears so that we can hear, and, and soften our hearts so we don't leave here the same as when we, we came. Uh, give us the bread that will satisfy us forever. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, before we look at our text today, I actually want to set the message up by telling you a story of a business owner in Portland, uh, a story that he told me several years ago, and it really made an, in, it really made an impact on me. Uh, he was one of the business owners, a restaurant right along this alleyway in Portland where they all, all had a combined, like a shared alleyway behind them where there was uh, all the food for the end of the evening and all the trash would go out uh, to this uh, alleyway, and so they'd all kind of meet there in the back, people throwing throwing things away. And every night, they noticed this elderly homeless guy would would uh, kind of come out after after dark and go through the different cans and open the lids up and and look through the food, and he'd find like the Thai noodles and the coffee grounds all mixed together with a dirty napkin on top of it. He he'd see this banana peel and a and a muffin, a half-eaten muffin, and he'd take the banana peel off, and that half-eaten muffin would be would be his food for the night. And as these business owners, these restaurant owners, uh, w- watched this, some of, some of the workers in the back would, would just stare at him in disgust. Like, that's, that's nasty. Like, how can you, how can you go through the, the garbage with, like, insects and, and, like, just nasty rats and things just crawling all around, flies overhead, and you're picking through the garbage and eating the trash? 
And so sometimes they'd even yell out, that's disgusting. Stop eating from the, the trash. That's, that's horrible. Why would you do that? Now this elderly man would be back there and he would feel ashamed. He'd wonder, how in the world did I get to the place where I'm eating out of the trash? Like, how did I get to, how did I get to, to this point? I mean, it is disgusting. And he would fill his belly with whatever he could find, and uh, he'd feel satisfied for the night, and he'd go and uh, lay on the park bench and think, tomorrow, tomorrow will be different. I'm not going to eat out of the trash again tomorrow. Uh, I've had enough. It's disgusting. I've hit the, I've hit the low. I'm never going to do that again. And he'd fall asleep. And the next day, he'd wake up to grumbles in his stomach. And he'd put it off. No, I'm not going to do that. I'm not, I'm not going back to the alleyway. I'm not going back to the, the trash. And the, the grumbles and the hunger would just keep rising in him until all of a sudden he couldn't help it. Just the hunger in him drove him back to the alleyway and back to the trash cans. Once again, to look through all the rubbish that everyone has thrown out and eat just garbage. Well, this happened night after night. Each night, this elderly homeless man feeling the guilt and the shame of the life that he was living, but this hunger kept driving him back to the alleyway until one evening, well, that business owner, uh, he had somebody cancel uh, a steak dinner that they had ordered to go. Uh, instead of throwing it out, he packaged it up and waited for this elderly homeless guy uh, to come. And as he went to the trash cans again, he invited him, hey, come in, come in. And of course, this homeless guy, he's really hesitant, like, what do you want from me? He's like, no, come in, I, I have something for you. And so he, he came in, and he sat him down at one of his tables after closing time and gave him a steak dinner. And he ate that steak dinner, and he said it was the best meal he'd had in years. That night, he didn't go to the trash. His stomach was full. See, the best way to get somebody to stop eating from the trash is to fill their stomach with really good food. See, our hunger, every one of us, our hunger drives us to something, to be filled by something. It's not that you can make that hunger go away any more than that elderly homeless guy could make his hunger go away. It's just what you fill it with. What we're going to see today is that this hunger in each one of us is going to drive us to what we most desire. This, this hunger that we all have is, is going to move us to be filled by, by something. And you might be sitting here today going, well, you know, uh, I'm not really motivated. I'm not really driven to really that much. I have a pretty good life. I'm not eating out of the trash. You know, I have food at home. Uh, but something moves you. Something controls you. Uh, there's something in you that wants to be filled. Maybe it's control, maybe it's power, maybe it's safety. Or maybe you're here this morning and you're feeling like, yeah, I keep going to that same thing that I don't want to go to every day. You're returning to that habit, that addiction. You know it's wrong, but it's like you just can't get rid of the hunger and you're just wondering, well, how do I, how do I stop? How do I get filled with the good things? Well, this brings us to our text today in John 3. We're going to see three stories of this hunger moving people to something. We'll see a, a hunger for power, see a hunger for security and safety, and then finally a, a hunger to be satisfied, to finally be content. So here's number one. If you're taking notes, which I know none of you are because we're outside, number one, you can write this down, a hunger for power. 
John 6, and we'll start in verse 1. I'm just going to read up the first 15 verses. It's a very uh, familiar story, but, but listen. Uh, this is the only place, or the only story that is, that is listed in all four Gospels. So there's something here that uh, all four Gospel writers are like, I need to share with you this story. John 6. After, these, after this, Jesus went away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. And a large crowd was following him because they saw the signs that he was doing on the sick. Jesus went up on the mountain, and there he sat down with his disciples. Now the Passover, the feast of the Jews, was at hand. Lifting up his eyes, then, and seeing that a large crowd was coming towards him, Jesus said to Philip, Hey, where are we going to buy bread so that these people can eat? He said this to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered, 200 denarii worth of bread would not be enough for each of them to just get a little bit. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There is a boy here with, that has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are they for so many? Jesus said, Have the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down, about 5,000 in number. Jesus then took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated, so also the fish, as much as they wanted. And when they had eaten their fill, he told his disciples, Gather up the leftover fragments, that nothing may be lost. So they gathered them up and filled twelve baskets with fragments from the five barley loaves left by those who had eaten. When the people saw the sign that, that he had done, they said, this is indeed the prophet who is to come into the world. Perceiving then that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, Jesus withdrew again to the mountain by himself. Let's pause right there. Uh, this famous story of the feeding of the 5,000. Uh, what John wants us to know right from the very beginning is the context or the background of this story. Uh, it's the time of the Passover feast. Now, the time of the, the Passover brings up to mind, if I would say, like July 4th or Thanksgiving. There's customs and rituals and tradition and a history that, that should bring that up. The Passover was at hand. The, the time of the, the Passover. Now, you, you might remember the story of the Passover and found in the book of Exodus. Uh, it was the, the last of the, the ten plagues on Egypt to bring... Uh, Israel, God's people, from slavery to freedom. And what they were supposed to do that night is they were supposed to take a lamb. These people that were slaves take their most precious lamb, this innocent lamb, and they were to, to sacrifice it, put the blood over the doorpost, and they were supposed to have a feast that night. Eat the whole thing. Enjoy a meal like you've never enjoyed before because tomorrow you're going to be free. And sure enough, Pharaoh goes, okay, uh, get out of here go away, and God leads them straight to the sea, the Red Sea. And there they're thinking we're going to die because Pharaoh's army, he changes his mind and comes to the sea. But God parts the water so that they go directly through the waters to the other side. On one side, they're slaves. On the other side, they're, they're free people. They're, they're children of, of God. From there, God directs them through the wilderness to a mountain where they receive the law. But not only that, they're, they're receiving these provisions from the Lord, like water from, from rock and manna every day from the Lord, bread from, from heaven from the Lord. Now, for 1,200 years, Jewish people in Jesus' time had been celebrating Passover. Uh, Passover, what it meant for the people was Independence Day. 
This was the day we were finally set free from slavery, from, from superpowers that were over us. We got free. We became independent. It's like our 4th of July, except like to the 10th degree. The Passover is their independence day. It's also a day that they were required to go to Jerusalem. But yet on this day, instead of going to Jerusalem, even though the Passover feast was at hand, even not even getting ready to go on this journey, instead they hear about this guy who is healing the sick. Like the lame people, he's making them walk again. The people that are blind, he's opening their eyes. There, there's this guy out there who, who has this power who's changing people. In the Passover time, there's rumbles of when will God finally bring freedom from Roman rule? When will we finally be free? When will our independence day come again? The Passover time is at hand, and they hear of this guy who's healing people, and there must have been thoughts of, whoa, is this the time? I mean, can you imagine a guy like that in your army? You send the troops out, they get shot with arrows, just bring them back to Jesus, poof, he makes them better, and you send them back out again. It's like, a, so 5,000, there's 5,000 guys there. And they're thinking, maybe, maybe now's the time. This is a great for battle. We have the power in this guy. And motivated by that power, they're, they're starting to come to him. They're not going down to Jerusalem. They're going to the wilderness to follow Jesus. They're, they're ready to fight for him, for freedom. And the word spreads. There's a guy here with, here with power who's healing the sick. Maybe this would be the time. So as they come, they're coming to this wilderness, this, this desolate place. Uh, it's springtime, so there's lots of, lots of grass there. And, and all of a sudden, as they're seeing this crowd gather, Jesus, is, he, he leans over to uh, Philip and says, hey, where are we going to get enough bread for all these people? Now remember, it's the Passover time. Do you remember the Passover time, the, how that story goes on and God feeds them with manna every day, bread from, from heaven? Jesus is like, hey, where are we going to get this bread from heaven? we we got nowhere else to go. And Philip's like, man, I don't know where we're going to get it. There's a lot of people here. And even if like this rich, powerful guy who has lots of money and could just give away a whole year's salary, we, we couldn't, even if we could do that, where would we even get the bread? And even if we got the bread, it would be enough for like one bite for everybody. It wouldn't satisfy. The most richest, like the generous, like we, it wouldn't be enough. Where are we going to get food for everybody? And then there's this little young boy there who's pretty much got just a lunch for himself, like a Lunchable. Uh, when you think of loaves of, of bread, don't, don't, don't think like big loaves. These are probably little small loaves. Barley loaves are the, the cheapest. It's, it's animal food. Barley. These aren't the best. And the little fish was just to give the, the bread flavoring. So this, isn't, this is like, this is nothing. And they go, well, there's this little boy's food, but well, come on. But it, we, this couldn't even feed like two people. And yet there's 5,000 men there. So with women and children, who knows how many? 15,000 people? That's a lot, of, a lot of people. But Jesus knew what he was going to do. And if you remember the story of the Passover, 15,000 people feeding them with bread, although it seems like a lot, God fed 2 million people for 40 years every day with bread. 15,000? It's nothing. Jesus knows what he's going to do. So he takes this boy's lunch, and he has the disciples say, hey, have everyone sit down. 
just just sit sit down something's going to happen and i can only imagine the disciples going yeah what is going to happen they're going to like lynch us we've got no we've got no food here we you've got like these small little things and you're having everyone sit down like this is not going to end well for us and then jesus takes this little offering and he breaks it and he and he thanks the lord for it and he and he begins to distribute it uh, he doesn't pray and go, Lord, make a huge pile of bread over here from what we can get, or make lots and lots of f- fish. He, he just thanks, thanks the Lord for this one. Thank you, Lord. And he breaks it and gives it. And, and then all of the sudden, everyone has eaten. And not only eaten, they've eaten to the full. Like they've eaten like a Thanksgiving dinner where they're like, I can't eat anymore. Stop. And they're leaving like bread all around that they're going around and collecting like they did uh in the wilderness, collecting the bread of these leftovers, there, there'll be not only enough for everybody, but even more from everybody. And and even think of the, if you're if you're sitting there and there's the guy that's in front of you that can heal the sick, and if you're injured, he can make you better, and he has like this unending supply of food. Uh, I think they're thinking this is unstoppable. This is an unstoppable army. There is no way Rome could beat us. We have all the food and never get injured. Let's do it, right? They're all talking, man, this guy's, this guy's incredible. Let's go. And so then they're like, let's make him king. Because if he's king, then we can overthrow Rome. So they're, they're driven the power of Jesus to make him king. And Jesus slips away and goes by himself to a mountain. See, Jesus knows that their, their hunger for power, to, to have control and victory and, and might, will never satisfy them. You ever play the game King of the Mountain when you were a kid? Yeah, I did. And I think I still got whiplash from it. Because you're on, you're tr- so if you don't, if you never played the game, you're trying to get to this high point, And you're pushing people, this is a boy game, more boy game, I guess. You're pushing people off the top because you're trying to be king of the mountain. But all the time, there's somebody that you don't even see that's coming and pushing you off the mountain. So you're scrapping and fighting. You want to be the king of the mountain. And Jesus is like, if that's what you're trying to be, you're you're trying to like push people down and overthrow things, you'll never be satisfied. See, Jesus has come. He's come with power, the power to satisfy he comes with power to, to not overcome and overtake and show this demonstration of, I'll kill and crush you. He actually comes to serve and to give his life. The, the illustration before them that day couldn't have been more stark. As they're like, you know, if we had the really rich person with all the money in the world who could even get it and we could get this huge bakery and we could have all the food, there still wouldn't be enough for one bite for everybody. We get this little boy who comes, and, and we don't know if he offers it freely or just gives it up, but in faith goes, yeah, you can have my lunch. He, he gives up his lunch, and they end up being satisfied, and even more so. The power of the kingdom of God satisfies everyone with 12 baskets full left over from a, a simple gift, a simple sacrifice from this young boy. And then Jesus slips away to the mountain. They're hungry for power, but they'll never be satisfied in the power of this world until they understand and accept the power of Jesus to serve and give his life to others. That brings us to our second story. The second hunger that we see moves people. It's this hunger for security. 
Uh, We see the next story beginning in verse 16. Hunger for security. Verse 16 says, When evening came, his disciples went down to the sea, got into a boat, and then started across the sea to Capernaum. It was now dark, and Jesus had not yet come to them. The sea became rough because a strong wind was blowing. When they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea and coming near the boat, and they were frightened. But he said to them, It is I. Do not be afraid. Then they were glad to take him into the boat, and immediately the boat was at the land to which they were going. I often wonder, like, I know in other Gospels it, it says that Jesus said, hey, why don't you go on without me? But I, but I often wonder, like, did the disciples know it's evening time, it looks like it's going to be a little bit stormy, and Jesus is telling us to go without him. Maybe we should just wait. Why don't we just wait for the guy who can do all these miracles rather than us going out into the sea by our, ourselves at night when it's really windy outside? But, but they, they don't. They leave. The disciples leave, and they leave without Jesus for, for some reason, and, and I think it's to display the power of God. So they head into the, the sea, and it's becoming dark. And the wind's blowing. The waves are all over the place. And, and can you imagine how you would feel in that boat, in the middle of the boat, and you're like, we've got to get to land. This water is not a place we can be, be safe. I, I don't feel secure out here. I think we're going we're, we're gonna to die. You know, we, have, uh, on, on, we like water here in our time period. We like to go uh, fishing. We like to go skiing. We like to go boating. But in Jesus' time period, water meant death. It was, it was scary. Oh. It was scary because you didn't know what monsters were underneath or if you could drown. So, so you're out on this sea that's dark and chaotic, and then here comes this guy walking on the water. What would you be thinking? I think the disciples were thinking, oh, that's probably like the Grim Reaper coming to take us home. We're dead. Like, who, who is walking? We're dead. But then all of a sudden he gets closer and they see it's Jesus, and they're like, oh, please, come into the boat, please. With joy, they say, come, come, come into the boat. And then the boat's like immediately to the land. When it was dark and chaotic and scary, they were rowing the boat as hard as they could for miles. They they needed safety, they needed security, and they're working so hard for it. it. This hunger for security, for safety, it drives us to work really hard, doesn't it? I mean, have, you, have you ever been there where you feel like, oh, something's just not quite right. I've got to work even harder for it. I've got to keep rowing. I've got to keep going. I've got to go. And you just don't, you'll never be satisfied in your work because you never get to the security and safety of land. You're in the dark. You're in the, the storms, the chaotic waves, and you're working. And Lord, if I just got to work a little bit harder so I can feel safe. But when Jesus gets in the boat, it, it like puts a motor on it, and they get to the land, and they're they're safe. This hunger for security has driven them to work really hard, and it does for us as well. The whole life you can be striving for for just that next thing. If I just had this much in my account, if I if I just had this many friends, if I just had if I just had this, then I would feel safe and secure. And you never get there, and you're striving and striving and striving, because security is just out of reach. But with Jesus in the boat. They feel safe. They, they, they didn't feel secure until Jesus got into the boat. Now, in, in Jesus' day, like I said, water really meant death. It was really equated with, with death. And Jesus walking on the water then really shows and demonstrates that Jesus even conquers death. 
He, he brings us safely through the chaotic waters of death. So even for us as believers, uh, the security that we find on the other side of death can only be found when we invite Jesus into the boat. You can't work hard enough for it. You can't do enough to feel like, oh, I finally arrived, but only simply to accept Jesus. Jesus, I need you in this dark, chaotic place I'm in to bring me safely to the other side. That's good news. Jesus will actually satisfy that hunger for security. Here's the last point. We actually get to a long uh, sermon of Jesus that he preaches outside uh, in a place just like this. I won't read the whole sermon. It's, it's very long, and it's Jesus' sermon, so I'll let him take credit for it. Uh, so if you want to read it later, that's great. I just want to read uh, a, little, a little portion of it. Uh, you see that when Jesus meets those disciples on the boat, they end up on the other side of the sea, and they start hearing, people on the other side of the sea start hearing, well, Jesus made it over there. Let's go follow him over there. And they get over there, and they're like, how did you get here? Because when the disciples left, it was just the disciples, and now you're here too, and Jesus, like, not even like, uh, not even addressing that thing, gives an opportunity to preach a message. You're all here. I have a message for you, and this is this is a portion of what Jesus said, starting in verse 35, John 6:35. He said, "Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me and yet do not believe." All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. Verse 41 says, So the Jews grumbled. Jews grumbling in the wilderness around Passover. They grumbled about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They said, Is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How does he now say, I have come down from heaven? Jesus answered them, Do not grumble among yourselves. No one can come to me unless the Father who has sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they will all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the Father except he who is from God. He has seen the Father. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for, this, for the life of the world is my flesh. I'm going to stop right there. This is the first of seven times Jesus says, I am something. And he says, I am the bread of life. So these people had been, uh, this hunger in them had, had driven them all the way from other side of the Sea of Galilee, all the way up north to Capernaum because they wanted more bread. They wanted to be satisfied. They woke up the next morning with a grumbling in their tummy. There's something missing. We need something more. And moved by that hunger to be satisfied, they come to Jesus. And Jesus correctly points it out. Look, 
you, come, you came to me because you just want a little more bread. But guess what? Tomorrow you're going to want a little more bread. And after that, you're going to want a little more bread. You're never going to be satisfied. So let me just take the opportunity while you're hungry to tell you the only thing that will bring satisfaction for you is the bread that comes down from heaven. And that's me. That's Jesus. Jesus is the bread that will satisfy. He goes on to explain that this bread is actually his, his body. Now remember, this is the Passover time. So he starts, he starts taking the manna idea in the Passover story and, and later, and also the Passover lamb, and he combines them uh, together. It, it's like he says, you eat, this is the bread, I'm the bread, now eat my flesh. Because if you eat my flesh, just like they ate the Passover lamb's flesh, then they would bring salvation. It's something they received from God. And it's actually, when you think about it, eat his flesh and drink his blood, that, it seems, seems weird to us. But he's, he's not saying, okay, take a bite of my body and drink my blood. He's saying, if you, eating is believing. If you believe in me, if you return to me, when you have that hunger, that desire for security, for control, for power, if that thing that you're missing in you, if you, if you turn to me, then you'll be satisfied. Eating is believing. And we all have hunger. We all have a hunger for, for meaning in our life, for purpose, for, for life, for fulfillment. And so I think Jesus, he actually gave us that hunger that we feel every day. Uh, one, for, for food. We get hungry for food, but also for other things to remind us. You're not going to be fulfilled in your work, in your family, in your food. In movies, in entertainment, there's nothing that's going to satisfy you in this life. You'll only be satisfied in, in Jesus. So here's, here's a challenge I have for you this week. Uh, when I was thinking about hungry, any of you guys get hungry this week? I think in our society, uh, I think we even eat before we get hungry oftentimes, and we, we kind of miss out on, on that. But that hunger is actually supposed to remind us that we're made for something even more. Uh, so my challenge is this week, would you, would you pick a day? Uh, maybe it's Tuesday afternoon when your kids go to school. Uh, pick a day, um, maybe when you're like, oh, this is the day I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it, and just skip a meal. Uh, the Bible calls it fasting, uh, but pick a meal this week that you're going gonna to skip. Uh, and during the time when you would have eaten, I, sh- I just suggest read John 6 and then read John 7. Just, just simply that, and ask the Lord, Lord, what am I filling my life with? What, what am I hungering for? And, and is it really satisfying to me? What, what do you most long for? What, what is your, your desires? What's it moving you to? And when you feel hungry this week, just be reminded that it'll only be satisfied in Jesus. There's a hunger, desire in all of us that moves us. And, and maybe you don't feel it, because you've filled your stomach with these temporary fixes. You're eating like the trash from the alley. And you just return to it over and over again. And you're like, why am I doing this? I feel horrible. And Jesus is saying, just stop. Come to me and enjoy a meal that will satisfy. I'm reminded of this passage in Isaiah 55. And I, I think Jesus had this in his mind as well. Isaiah 55 says this, Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And he who has no money, come, buy and eat. 
Come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen diligently to me and eat what is good and delight yourselves in rich food. Incline your ear and come to me. Hear that your soul may live and I will make with you an everlasting covenant. My steadfast, sure love for David. There's an invitation for all of us to not eat the garbage that is out there, but to come to Jesus and eat the food that will satisfy. His word, his flesh, his sacrifice for all of us. And not only that, he gives us this reminder in something we call communion. It's the night that Jesus was betrayed. He, t- he takes this, this bread and he says, this is, this is my flesh. He takes the cup and says, this is my blood. As often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. I've set this up, this hunger that you have inside of you, only be truly fulfilled by me and in my death and resurrection. So let me go ahead and pray for us. Lord, there's so much on offer in our world that doesn't really satisfy. There's a hunger and a longing in all of us that... um, can drive us and move us to things that we don't even really want. And Lord, just just like you said in your word, would you create that um, drawing in each one of us that we would not fulfill it or fill it with things that don't matter, but it would drive us to you. And Lord, you said that no one comes to you unless they're driven or drawn by you. So Lord, we pray that you would be doing that right now. That you would be drawing people to yourself. That hunger isn't something that we come up with on our own, that we can make ourselves or work hard enough and, uh, to feel safety, safe and secure. But Lord, that, that hunger and that longing and that desire in each one of us that you would put there and we'd find our fulfillment and meaning in you. And so Lord, even as uh, students begin the school year, uh, as parents go back to another rhythm, as, as retired people are, are doing uh all the activities with their grandkids and families and traveling. Lord, I pray that, that that longing and that hunger for you would drive us all to your word and to feast. The feast from Jesus who gave up his life for each one of us and that we would be fulfilled and satisfied in you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us for this message from Hollyview Church. We invite you to join us in person for our worship service every Sunday morning at 1030. You can find us on Southeast 257th Avenue, just off of Highway 212 between Boring and Damascus, Oregon. Or find us online at hollyviewchurch.com. Together, we are being shaped by the gospel, rooted in God's word, to share God's grace and truth. Again, whether online or in person, Thank you for joining us here at Hollyview Church.